welcome to the Clairon Podcast. In this series, The Narc Behind the Educator, I and fellow narcissism educators discuss and share our own personal journeys with the narcissist and narcissistic abuse in our own lives. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to have you on. I love the way that you break down emotional abuse on TikTok. The way that you you describe it and use personal examples is just amazing. Thank you. I've had such an incredible response from people. Yeah, I've seen. It's been really overwhelming. I just started started it just for my own like therapeutic release. And uh, it's kind of blown up more than I thought it would. And But at the same time, it's it's amazing that so many people can... It's scary that so many people can relate to it, actually. Yeah, 100%. It it makes me feel like there's a lot more emotional abuse going on than we are admitting. And um, definitely is. I'm hoping that by me sharing my experiences and giving some like real Mm -hmm. examples of what it looks like that we're able to Mm -hmm. help people spot the emotional abuse that's going on in their relationships. Yeah, 100%. I also think that the way that you describe it, like you have such a kind, loving manner and you just break things down in such an accessible way. Thank you. That's really sweet. Yeah. Thank you. It's true. So how did you meet your narcissist? We met online. Um, okay. So a dating app platform. Um, mm-hmm. What was interesting was... Which platform was it? It was Plenty of Fish. I don't know if they have that okay. there, but in North America, it's a pretty big one. Um, we have it here, yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> um, but when he he messaged me, he didn't have a profile picture. He didn't have anything in his profile, right? So mm-hmm. when I initially got the message, I was like, "Yeah, no, this guy's clearly not uh, invested in actually mm-hmm. like dating because he put zero effort into his profile." Uh-huh. I completely ignored the message, right? I just okay. you know deleted it and, and moved along, um, and then. Within a couple of days, he had messaged me again. Mm-hmm. But this time he was kind of aggressive. He was like, I'm out here looking for something serious. And if you're just mm-hmm. wasting my time, then let me know. And, wow. uh, I, you know, I, I, something along the lines of that. And it, 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 it like, it kind of like hurt my gut a little bit. Like, okay. what the fuck does this guy think? Yes. He's like, who the yeah. hell does he think he is? Yeah, right? it's so entitled. So, so I messaged him and back and I was like, who do you think you are? Like, you have nothing on your profile. You have like, mm. clearly that should have been my 100% first red flag that I completely yeah. ignored. Like, yeah, you yeah. said it exactly. Like the sense of entitlement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, I'm just going to call this guy out. Like, who do you think you are thinking that, you know, you're entitled to my response when you have put zero effort into yeah. uh, your dating profile? And so then he, uh, so he messaged me back and he put up a profile picture and he put in some details and kind of like, look, look, here's, here's a little bit of what you're looking for, you know, like a little bit of breadcrumby, breadcrumby stuff. Yeah. And yeah. That was, that was the start of it. So I, clearly from the very first interaction, I sh- now that I know that those things are red flags, yeah. those are the things that you want to look out for, for sure. 
Well, we don't know what we don't know, right? These yeah. things aren't taught in school. They no, should be. Absolutely. They should be taught to us by our parents. Exactly. So what happened next? Um, we we messaged for a couple of weeks before we went okay. out on a first date. And was it um, like incessant messaging? Was it a lot? It wasn't. It wasn't okay. actually. Uh, okay. it was, you know, every few days, like a check-in, and then you know, a date was set, and then um, and I know that that's not normal uh behavior right away, but uh yeah, no, it was just a couple a couple of texts here and there to finalize the details of the date. And then we we um went on the first date and mm-hmm. my initial gut reaction was I'm not sure if I like this okay. guy. Like it was okay. just something a little off and I and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. But you know what? He was kind of charming and he yeah. was very good at conversation. Mm-hmm. And we start we started in one place and we had like something to eat and a couple beverages and then we Mm -hmm. decided to take a walk and go for another place and you know Barrick went for the walk and we went to another place and by this time like I was actually like enjoying the conversation we were talking about like philosophical things like he was Mm -hmm. really he was it it was just really engaging conversation and I was enjoying it but then he made some comment at the second place like suggesting that the date was going to end there like he wasn't sure if he wanted to continue the date like it was just like really off it was like really kind of off but it was like underhanded and like passive aggressive like it just wasn't there was something a little off about it and then yeah and then we continued on and then he asked if we would want if i wanted to go to a third place so then we went bowling okay. after right so we okay so was this a whole day day this no it wasn't it started out okay. like i think we met at like seven and okay. we finished around maybe midnight right okay so wow. we, we went we went bowling and that was really great and then um yeah when it was we said goodbye we went our separate ways and then uh Within 15 minutes, he texts me and he's like, I can't stop thinking about you. Like, can I come see you? And so I, and honestly, at the time, I wasn't looking for anything serious. I was just like, yeah, okay. looking to, you know, hook up and have fun. And I was, I was in a big transition period in my life. And so I wasn't looking yeah. for anything serious at all. So when he wanted to come by, I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, so you're like, you're you were in a big transition in your life. What yeah. was happening for you emotionally in your life? Um, actually, I felt like I was in a really good place. Um, okay. I was two, I was two years post divorce. I mm-hmm. had decided to um, sell my business that I had with my ex husband, and I was mm-hmm. transitioning into doing my master's degree in counseling psychology. So, okay, wow. um, yeah. So I was I was. Uh, in a really exciting place. Like there was a lot going on. I had a lot of like positive energy, a lot of, uh, I felt like I was putting out a lot of good energy to the world and, um, and wasn't looking for anything serious at all. But I think that, um, he really liked that positive energy and Mm -hmm. it, you know, fed his ego a lot. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
he latched onto it. Like as soon as our first date, I like, I couldn't get rid of him. He was constantly like coming to like, he probably came to my house and didn't leave for four days. (laughs) He just didn't, he just didn't leave. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, I was enjoying all the attention and I was enjoying Um, all of the, uh, the, the love bomb, (laughs) the validation, the attention, the, yeah, it was it was really intense. Got really intense really fast. Within three days, he loved me. We were soulmates. Like all of that. Wow. Yeah, all of that stuff we know now is yeah. a big red flag. <laughs> yeah, we know now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the first big red flag that you really recognized as a big red flag? There were so many that I, so there were so many that I didn't recognize that I didn't know were red flags. Like my family hated him. My family hated him, but I didn't recognize that as a red flag. Uh, Why did they hate him? Was that like they felt something was off about him? Or like what what was the vibe? I have like some family that are social workers and I think that they knew like the power and control dynamics that were already showing up like when he met them. He met them. We were only together for three months. And I think that they could recognize the power and control dynamics that were evident in our relationship. I just mm-hmm. didn't see them yet. I didn't know that they yeah. were there. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of my family like tried to warn me, you know, hey, he was kind of talking down to you here and he was wow. uh, pushing boundaries. Like I said, like my family were setting boundaries with him and he was pushing their boundaries, you know? So, yeah. Um, but I didn't see any of it. So I just was like, okay, well, thank you for your input. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, he's not like that with me. And yeah, 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 exactly. So what was the first big red flag that you recognized? The first big red flag was uh, he dropped a mask and revealed insecurity. So, okay. um, it was, uh, I went to his house one night after a hot yoga class mm-hmm. and, you know, I said hello to him and then I jumped in a shower and then I got out of the shower and he was in a full blown, like breakdown. <laughs> like he was okay. so emotionally, he was emotionally dysregulated. And he, mm-hmm. uh, said that, uh, that's what his ex used to do. She'd come home from the bar and jump in a shower and he thought that that was an indicator that she was cheating and wow. um and you know he didn't like overtly accuse me of cheating but he said um that that triggered me jumping in the shower in that moment triggered him and you wow. know my gut was like this isn't right because like you see that I'm in yoga stop yeah. like, you know my yoga mats in the car like yeah how can, how can you get so emotionally dysregulated? Clearly, you're not over this. Clearly, this is an issue for you. Clearly, this is unresolved stuff. Like, it's uh, not, and I know enough about uh, process, you know, being responsible for our own emotions. Like, like I said, I was doing counseling psychology that yeah. uh, I knew that it wasn't mine to be responsible for. Uh, and I saw how dysregulated he was. And I just mm-hmm. said, okay, well, this is like a piece of his trauma that he needs to work through. Um, yeah. 
and my, and like my body and my gut was trying to tell me that this was not a good thing and that this was not a safe person, but I just rationalized all yeah. of the, what was happening. And, and honestly, like being accused of cheating was nothing that happened throughout the entirety of my relationship. That was the very first indicator and it happened regularly throughout all of the four years. I was constantly accused of cheating. Yeah. So that's actually really common in narcissistic relationships. And a lot of the time it's because they're projecting what they're doing onto their partner. Yeah. Do yeah. you think that he was projecting? Do you think he was cheating? I, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. Um, <laughs> we spent like all of our time together. Like he would never leave the house. He was constantly uh-huh. on on me. Like he was constantly yeah. like texting and calling and like yeah. he never gave me any time to breathe. Um yeah. I I don't know if he was cheating or not. I, I don't have yeah. evidence that he was, uh, but I do know that he I think uh I know that he was dishonest. There was a lot of things that he I found out after the relationship ended that he lied about. And so I know for sure he projected dishonesty onto me because that's what yeah. he was doing. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know 100% about cheating. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that he was accusing you constantly of cheating, but yet you guys were together all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. you can never put it past a narcissist to accuse you of things that are literally impossible. Oh my God. Like I get dressed in the morning to go to work and you, who, who are you looking so nice for? How come you never look yeah. like that for me? You know, like, mm-hmm. or like I come home from work and my strings are tied in a different way. Mm-hmm. Why, why are those tied differently? You never dress, you never yeah. do that with that. You know, yeah. like, like it's, it's, it's insinuating yeah. that I'm just like, I don't know, getting it on with somebody at work. I don't know. Yeah. It was just, yeah. bizarre is not even the word. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Do you think narcissists actually believe their accusations? What a great question. Uh, I think that they, I don't know. I honestly don't mm-hmm. know. I would say, they, I, I think, think that they do. do. I think yeah. they do. I think uh, sometimes they do. Yeah. Uh, I would say like, yeah, I think he did. Like, it's just, it happens so, like, you know, like self-fulfilling prophecy, creating your own mm-hmm. self-sabotage. Like mm-hmm. you think you constantly accuse somebody of cheating or being dishonest or like being dishonest was a big one. He always mm-hmm. said I was dishonest. I never shared my feelings. Well, I couldn't share my feelings because sharing my feelings would get me into trouble, you know? Yeah, like, <sighs> so yeah. it's it wasn't a safe space to share my feelings. And so if you're constantly accusing me of not sharing my feelings or when I do share my feelings, you give me crap for it or you invalidate Mm -hmm. or you dismiss or you tell me I'm crazy or you shift, you know, you Uh shift blame. Like eventually, yeah, I'm good to keep my feelings from you. It's, it's, it's a a double bind. It is. It is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's Mm self-sabotage. Yeah. They self-sabotage and they continually set their partner up as well sabotage setting them up for a fall to fail yeah yeah you can never yeah. do anything right like you said the yeah. double bind is is doesn't matter what you do it's wrong mm-hmm. you can do it exactly how they want you to do it and it's still and wrong. it's still not right say, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so how quickly did you guys move in uh a year a year okay so it wasn't that quick 
but yeah. he was he was but he did uh, love you after the third date he did love me after the third okay. date and uh remember how i mentioned i was at a transition period in my life so i was selling my business and um part of my business was my residence. So my business and my residence were all in one. So I needed a place to live. Well, doesn't he find me? And I, he buy me a place to live, which is like close to him, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, he really isolated me in that, Mm -hmm. um, the relationship was like, so, so strong right off the Mm -hmm. bat. And, um, he, I was, I needed to move. And so he found me a place close to him away, further away from my family. And like, I had already lived pretty far from most of my family. It was just like my mom that was close, but, mm-hmm. uh, so he helped me find a place to live. And, um, like I didn't have, it was a new town. It was an hour away from where I was living before. So wow. I didn't know anybody there, just him. Um, yeah, like, you think, um, yeah, Mm. yeah, I think it was deliberate. I think it was deliberate, but I was so wrapped up in everything that was going on anyways, that I didn't, Mm. I didn't notice that. Like, what's so funny is even after, um, we were living together for a while, I was trying to like, look for babysitters for my daughter because, I could never go anywhere or do anything because I didn't know anybody and I didn't have mm-hmm. a babysitter, you know, like I could never do anything. And, uh, you know, he would say, oh, well, let me ask around, let me ask around. And then he'd come back and he was like, oh, there's, there's no babysitters. Nobody's taking babysitters. Right. And then as, mm-hmm. as soon as we break up, like I reached out to a couple other people that I know and they gave me a list of like five babysitters. <laughs> like yeah, It's right. just crazy how he mm-hmm. was like, it was kind of like he wanted me to stay at home. Like he wanted me yeah. to not be able to go anywhere. Mm. Uh, and using for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And using that, like there were no babysitters in town mm-hmm. as an excuse. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that control over where you are and who you're seeing and who you're talking to yeah. and all of those things. Yeah. So yeah. when did things start to change noticeably? When we moved, when we moved in when we moved in together, but we moved in, um, but I, we moved in one month before COVID lockdown. So Mm, wow, that was a, everything that happened, like once the abuse started, I attribute a lot of it to COVID. Like I Mm. just, I I didn't recognize that it was abuse. I thought it was Mm -hmm. just like frustration from COVID and like not being able to, and like, we couldn't go anywhere anyway. We were stuck with mm-hmm. each other anyway. So, you know, I thought we were just like picking at each other because we were stuck together all the time. But um How soon yeah. after moving in did things change? Was it within days, within weeks, within hours? Uh, say within within a couple of weeks. Okay. Within a couple of weeks. Um and I noticed it first, like I noticed the anger outburst first towards the kids, like not even necessarily okay. directed at me, but I started noticing his anger and aggression coming out directed towards the kids. And okay. so the bulk of like the beginning of all of it was focused around, Hey dude, like your anger towards the kids is not okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, 
And then eventually it started to shift to me as well. It's pretty predictable, isn't it? When the mask comes off with narcissists, because they really rush that connection because they know that they can't keep it, act up very long. So they tend to rush into a marriage or moving in or having kids. And those points are normally when the mask comes off, once they have you kind of stuck. Locked in. Yeah. Locked in. Yeah. 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 So I did. Go on. I was going to say, I did see it like about a week before we were set to move in together. The mask completely Mm -hmm. fell off and it was another, you know, cheating accusation. But this time he like blatantly, you know, accused me of cheating and um, said, you know, I'm not going to waste my time with an effing cheater. And, you know, like completely, completely lost it on me. And, Mm -hmm. um, didn't give me an opportunity to, to share my side of the story, just mm-hmm. jumped to a lot of conclusions, made a lot of assumptions and flew based on whatever story he had in his head. And like, mm-hmm. that should have been my done. Like, you're not even going to give me an opportunity to talk and you're just going to call yeah. me up and yell at me and then hang up on me. Like, that's not mm-hmm. how you treat somebody you care about. Yeah. So, um, crazy. but I, I was just like, oh my God, we're about to move in together. Like I've already given up my apartment. Like I'm, I feel mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I'm stuck. Like I have to do this. Like mm-hmm. I have to fix this situation in order to, so that, you know, I'm not homeless on the street. Yeah. But you're yeah, already locked in. I was already, I was already locked in. Yeah. But what um, was the repair like? Honestly, like, I don't feel like when it came to that one, the repair wasn't, it was, well, you know, that particular issue never got resolved. Like the accusations of the cheating never Mm -hmm. got resolved. And even four years later, he would bring it up like four Mm -hmm. years later. Yeah. Um, But most issues in a narcissistic relationship never get resolved. Very true. (laughs) Same argument like Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but we were just about to move in together. So then mm-hmm. there was a lot of like, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I can't wait to spend my life with you and we're going to, you know, do that. There was a lot of like talking about, you know, the future and all these things that we had planned and mm-hmm. marriage and another kid. And like, there was yeah. a lot of, and that was, you know, present throughout the entire first mm-hmm. year, like the future, the yeah. future baking. Yeah, the future faking, they paint such a beautiful future for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of my clients really struggle with is coming to terms with the fact that all of the amazing plans that they had with their narcissist were never going to come true because you absolutely buy into it. And they know what you want and they know what you need and they really do paint such a good picture. Yeah, I I was very open about what I wanted. I was very open that I wanted to get married again, that um, I wanted to get a house for me and my daughter, and that I wanted Mm -hmm. another child. I I wanted all of those things, and he used them to get me to move in with him. So, um, yeah, (laughs) it's that 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 sucks. Like, um, yeah. I had a, a very strong boundary that I wasn't going to move in with anybody until I was at least engaged. But um, he, he was going through like 
a divorce and I, and, uh, you know, we were living, we're basically together all the time anyways. And so he said, Hey, Jackie, like our next step is marriage. We should move in together now so that we can save for it together so that we can, you know, yeah. do, we can work towards that goal. Um, yeah. And it made sense. Yeah, let's do that. Like yeah. our goals to be married. Like, let's do yeah. that. And then, you know, within six months, he had no money, <laughs> no uh, money for he wasn't his own children. No, <laughs> no, he wasn't paying the bills. Like he wasn't contributing to the bills, let alone yeah. saving for any type yeah. of future. Like it was, yeah. it was insane. And, and how I just like saw it and didn't, and like, I would call it out, but then it would cause a problem, you know, mm. or, or, you yeah. know, oh, but we're going through COVID right now, or, you know, my divorce and this, like, there was just always reasons why we couldn't have that future that he promised me, you know, there was always something in the way of yeah. us achieving that goal. And it was like three, three, four years later where I was like, I'm done. Nah, no nah, more. Yeah. Wow. What were some of the other behaviors that he was exhibiting during COVID lockdown when you guys were stuck together in the house? Um, a lot of passive aggressive, a lot of passive aggressiveness, uh, okay. criticism, um, silent treatment, uh, mm -hmm. double standards. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was he uh, very, was he very like jealous of relationships that you had with friends and family? He, not overtly, like he never, he never said that I couldn't see my friends and family. He just would never participate. So then okay. it comes, it comes to like, oh, great. I get to go to another holiday by myself and I get to mm -hmm. be asked, you know, like you get put in that awkward position and, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and like, because your family too, they know what's going on and they sort of like, mm -hmm maybe avoid talking about him or your relationship or whatever. But mm. yeah, he was, but when I would go, he would be, you know, texting me all the time and, you know, mm -hmm. I need you to pick this up for me. I need, I need you to come home. Like he would try his best to sabotage. Well, it was like subtle, subtle sabotage. It was subtle sabotage. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Like it, it's so easy to point it out when, it's overt when they say, no, you can't have these friends. You can't have yeah. this, this family. You can't yeah. wear that. You can't. But it's when mm -hmm. it's all under undermined, passive aggressive little dates, you know, like yeah. that's when it's the hardest spot because you, and then you ask them about it and then they say, oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, like that plausible deniability. Yeah. 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 You, you, you say like, something oh, names. Yeah, don't be ridiculous. I would never say something like that. I would never mean it that way. It makes you look yeah. crazy when you bring it up. Yeah. 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 A lot of that. A lot. Yeah. What other ways would he devalue you? Sexually. Okay. Uh, so, like, uh, if I wasn't in the mood, like, mm -hmm. turning it into a big deal, like, okay. it was my job. It was my job in a committed partnership to mm -hmm. provide him with his love language, you know, like yep. using, using that terminology against you, uh, coercion, mm -hmm. sexual coercion, guilt tricks. Yeah. If you, if you yeah. don't, if you don't, 
put out when they want you to than the guilt yeah. trips that would come. Yeah, because uh, they absolutely feel entitled to you. The silent treatment the next yeah. day. Uh, yeah. Circular conversations in the middle of the night, like sleep deprivation was a huge one wow. for my relationship. Uh, Tell me more sabotage. about the sleep deprivation. Well, it would always be like, <laughs> it would be, in the beginning, it would be like little things like, Coming in, like we already said goodnight. I used to go to bed before him. And so we would say goodnight in the living room. I would go to bed. And then within 15, 20 minutes, he'd come back into the bedroom and say goodnight again, you know, like, okay. Or, um, you know, when he got to bed, I would be asleep and he would be like grabby and touchy and gropey, like waking me up, like trying to make a, a, a pass at me while I'm sleeping. And, uh, or he would just come in and be like, I'd, I'd be sleeping for an hour and all of a sudden there's a problem <laughs> and he wow. needs to wake me up and talk about the problem. Wow. And you end up talking, you end up talking about it for three hours and nothing gets resolved oh and you yeah. stay up at like until three o'clock in the morning and you're just like, Oh my God, I just want to go to sleep. I got to get up and work in the morning. Wow. And, uh, yeah, like, it's it happening. Like three times a week, three times, a week. three times a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What would happen if you told him no, that he needed to sleep? Um, he would lose it. He would storm off to the storm out to the living room. Then he would come back in. Then he would say, I don't love him and I don't care about his feelings. And I mean, and then that's when he would, he would say that I'm, uh, stonewalling him and I'm being emotionally abusive and um, like he would throw all of the you know abusive terms in my face to me he would say I was doing that to him and I would I would be I would calmly say hey like I can see that you're upset and you want to talk about this I want to go to sleep can we talk about this tomorrow? Can we set a time tomorrow to talk about this? Mm. And that's when I would be told that I don't love him and that I don't care about him and that, you know, his apparently his feelings don't matter and bedroom to the living room, to the bedroom, to the living room, just still not letting me sleep. And there were times where I would say, I'm not doing this. And I would go upstairs to sleep with my daughter in her bed. And he would follow me upstairs, continuing wow. to fight and argue. And I would have to leave because he was about to wake up, you know? Wow. Yeah. Like complete, completely dysregulated, completely not caring about anybody but himself. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's, it's was it exhausting. Frightening. The frightening part is like, how can you not see that this is not that this is not okay. Like, how do you not see that? Like you, you just, you don't know what they're going to do. Like mm. you're so emotional. He would, he would be so emotional. I would, I wouldn't know what he would do. Like we, we never had any physical altercations, but he would slam things and he would, you know, uh, hit walls and wow. uh, throw things across the kitchen or slam wow. doors. Like mm-hmm. he was, aggressive he was very aggressive and intimidating in that way mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. like you just you don't you don't know what you're gonna get yeah and i mean abuse normally escalates doesn't it it does yeah yeah 
So how long did this go on for the sleep deprivation? I want to say that it was a large part of most of our relationship. Like if I'm being really right. honest, like even in the beginning, even, um, even in the beginning in the love bombing phase, like he would come to my house, uh, late at night while I was sleeping and he would crawl into bed and he would, you know, kind of wake me up a little bit. And, but at the time it was cute, you know, at the time it was, um, but, uh, was it deliberate? Yeah. Do you think? I think it was. I think it was deliberate. Yeah. Like I think he was trying to, hey, I'm here. You know, like I don't know. Like, yeah, I think it definitely was deliberate. But like the circular conversations didn't happen until until we moved in together, and like all of the problems started coming out. All of you know me me trying to keep him accountable for his crappy behavior, uh. and. Um, than him flipping the script and I turned out to be the abusive one. You know how that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know what you mean about the circular conversations. I mean, in my situation, by the end of it, I was so confused because we would get in these arguments and they would go round and round and round and round. And then the goalposts would continually jump, but then yeah. he would accuse me of starting the arguments and me of perpetuating them. And I yes. was so confused and it got to the point where I was wondering, is it me? Yeah, is it me doing this. Like yeah. I've never had these arguments before with anyone in my life, but maybe it is me. <laughs> yeah, and that, and I think that's the interesting point is like, yeah, I have never experienced this with any of my relationships. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it, maybe it's not you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you if you don't have a history of this stuff, then you know, maybe maybe it's not you. And those circular conversations and arguments are just so typical of narcissistic relationships yeah and like you said they, they make it sound like you're the one that's starting it mm -hmm. when i can tell you every, like nine nine times out of ten our arguments would start because he mm -hmm. perceived a rejection you know yeah he i i either said something or i didn't say something or i did something or i didn't do something and his mm -hmm fragile little ego would get wounded mm -hmm. and it would cause yeah. an issue yeah. and um the only time i would start a problem is when he crossed boundaries or when he mm -hmm. was disrespectful you know yeah um and even if that would happen like i would <laughs> i would still ask clarifying questions like i would still yeah. like try to yeah. use healthy communication yeah. strategies yeah. to yeah. to try to you know be the bigger person and and mm -hmm. the responsible communicator mm -hmm. <laughs> and um still it ended up being you know my fault anyways yeah. even though i was using i feel statements and i was communicating from mm -hmm. a healthy place you know yeah it was still my fault <laughs> I mean, mine would always misinterpret my tone and my facial expressions. Yeah. Like at one point I was crying and he flew into a rage because he thought I was smirking. And I'm like, how do you yeah. confuse crying and smirking? But they do misread yeah, facial yeah. expressions all of the time. It's really common. Yeah. I got told I rolled my eyes a lot. And like, yeah. You're like, I didn't. Looking up to think, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was just like looking up to think. I was just like in my yeah. head thinking about what you said because it made no freaking uh, sense, you know? Mm -hmm. But apparently I was rolling my eyes at you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So what was the worst thing that happened in the relationship? Or one of the worst things? The worst thing that happened. Honestly, I feel like it's death by a thousand cuts. I I, I don't think I can pinpoint one specific thing. I think um, it's just, it gets piled and piled and piled and piled. And Mm -hmm. like, you get to a point where you're so drained and you have no idea what's going on and you're convinced that you're the problem and everything that is your fault. And so I remember when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I've, I've experienced depression before. I know how to pull myself. I thought I was depressed, right? I know how to pull myself out of depression. So I start focusing on myself. I start doing self-care. Like I started meditating. I started working out. I started Mm -hmm. pouring all of my energy into myself. And that is the moment where, um, things got worse. (laughs) They don't like that. They don't like self-care. No, he would sabotage my Mm self-care routines. He would Mm -hmm. do whatever he could to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I did that for like a better part of the year. I was focused on myself, more on myself and less on him. And I got grounded in who I was and what my truth was. And over time, um, yeah, I was just like, I don't think this is me. I know he thinks it is, but I don't think it is. It's amazing that you could do that while you were in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I really, that is really the, the key point that got me to have the strength to leave the relationship like okay about a year of solid self-care and 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 seeing that he was pushing boundaries like i was reading books on setting boundaries i was reading books on people pleasing and i could see that he was pushing the boundaries and i could see Mm. that he was using unhealthy communication and i could see that he had double standards like i was Mm -hmm very deliberate in watching his behavior because abuse is behavior, right? And so Mm -hmm. even though he convinced me that I was the abusive one, I researched the crap out of all of it so that Mm -hmm. I could see who the actual abuser was. Yeah. And um, that's amazing. And it was easy to see, like, it's not easy to see when you're stuck in it, but um, um. when you can identify like this is what healthy is supposed to be and then Mm -hmm. you take a look at your relationship and you see that your partner is not doing their part of the healthy then you can say okay wait a minute maybe their narrative is wrong maybe it's not me maybe Mm -hmm. it's them and and that's what i started to see i started to see all of his toxic behaviors Mm -hmm. i started to see uh attachment issues and uh like inner child wounds like i started mm-hmm. to see his wounds like they say okay. that narcissists have like two masks right they have mm-hmm. they have the, the the love bomb mask that they put on in the beginning and then that drops and then they have the the, the mask where they criticize the crap out of you right because they hate themselves mm-hmm. but then underneath all of that is how worthless they actually feel. And that started to come out towards the end of my relationship. It was Mm. interesting that once I started setting boundaries and once I started holding boundaries and taking care of myself, the only Mm -hmm. thing I got from him was 
um, him expressing how horrible of a person he felt he was. And mm -hmm. I'm sure it was just another manipulation tactic. Manipulation, sure. yeah. But um, he would talk about like his trauma and he would use that as a reason and an excuse for, mm -hmm. you know, being a shitty person. Mm -hmm. Which <laughs> and, is so common. And um, yeah, and I just, you know, know enough about psychology and human behavior that you know you can't you can't hold somebody's hand through their trauma mm -hmm. you can't excuse you can't excuse mm -hmm. behavior everybody's responsible to heal their own trauma you can't exactly. excuse crappy behavior because of trauma so exactly um, you can you can like if you don't have the capacity to see that your behaviors are hurtful and mm -hmm. you don't make the changes to stop those hurtful behaviors then that's all on that's all on you <laughs> like yeah yeah i can't do that i can't do that for you yeah exactly and at the end of the day i mean most people that end up in long-term relationships with narcissists do so because some level of the behavior is familiar because yeah. we've had childhood trauma as well yeah yeah and everyone's responsible for their own I mean, yes, behavior as yes. an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys ever break up and get back together? We did. So um I broke up with him um because of all of this, because I could see that he just wasn't doing his part. Mm -hmm. Um and I I don't know that I labeled it as abusive at that point. I didn't label the relationship as abusive, but mm -hmm. I labeled it as him not being able to deal with his own crap, you know, putting his crap on me and making me responsible for his crap. That's what I labeled it as. Mm -hmm. uh, so we broke up and um, I, uh, so we did break up. Um, I knew that the type of work that he needed to do in order to have a healthy relationship, like he needed some serious therapy. <laughs> And I yeah. knew that it wasn't something that could be done overnight. Um, so did you know he was a narcissist? Did you get like? No, I, I had no idea. Not at that point. No, okay. no never, okay, never even looked at narcissism before. Yeah. I had no idea okay. what it was. Okay. Um, but I acknowledged that he had a lot of like therapy. He needed to go to therapy, right, and work through his. I I labeled it as anger issues. I labeled it as like childhood trauma. Like I label attachment issues. I labeled it as all of that stuff. Um, and I knew that that took deep work. Like I had been working on my own attachment and trauma and stuff since I was 26 and, you know, I was 40. So, you know, that yeah. stuff just doesn't get magically healed. Right. Yeah. So, um, so within like first these, the initial breakup was pretty ugly. Like he was like crying and upset and begging and this and that. And the first week there was a lot of hateful stuff. Um, and then, but I held strong. And then after like two weeks, he came back like this completely new person. Like, I totally get it. And I'm going to do the work and I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to prove mm. to you that I am and everything that you've ever wanted. And I am who I say I am. And, you know, I'm that person that you met and I'm just going to prove it. And I was just in my head, I was like, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So I so set another chance. Some very, 
I set some very firm boundaries. Like mm-hmm. one, you're not you're not moving in with me. Like okay. he, I had gotten I got him out of the house, so mm-hmm. he was not going to move in with me. That was one boundary. And yeah. um, another boundary was getting control of his finances because uh, he never had money and he never could pay his bills, and that was a big thing mm-hmm. about our future, right? Like. There was never any money for us to build our future because mm-hmm. he was terrible with money. And so yeah. I set those two boundaries and we started like, it first started like once a week, we would hang out and we would catch up and just chat. And then it turned into Was he blowing up your phone in between? Mm-hmm. He was accepting this. Yes. He was, yeah. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, and like I initially asked for six, I, I initially wanted three months of no contact. Okay. And he wanted like, wow. he wanted two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never got, I think I, had, I think I got four days of no contact okay. during that first breakup. But um, wow. Wow. Yeah, so he didn't give he didn't respect that boundary. <laughs> and they were yeah. like it. But um yeah, so then the whole love bombing started all over again. And he was going to therapy and he was doing all these things and he was sharing his goals and you know, everything that I had an issue with in a relationship was magically corrected. And he was mm-hmm. that person he was at the very beginning of our relationship once again. And um yeah, that lasted three months. And then okay. it all came down again. Yeah. Had you moved back in at that three-month no. mark? No. Okay. I kept that boundary. Good. There, oh, that was the reason. I, I knew, yeah, I knew that um, if, if he was serious about change, then uh, I needed to see it consistently over time. Mm-hmm. I needed to see it over time, you know, and mm-hmm. I... I envisioned that we would be living separately for a few years like i envisioned wow. that the work that he needed to do was years in the making wow. and i was fully prepared to live separately that whole time and i was okay with that i was happy with that mm. um, but no like after the three month mark he started pushing me to move back in together he was pushing mm-hmm. and i and i helped firm and said that's not happening. And then that's when he started all the manipulation tactics all over again. You know, what about my wants and needs? Why is it always about what you want? Your boundaries are keeping me out. You're being selfish. Your boundaries are selfish, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, what about me? What about my kids? Where, you know, your boundaries are selfish. Yeah. That's yeah. so exactly how they feel, isn't it? About our yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good so, thing that I, it's a good thing that I know that boundaries are healthy <laughs> because if I thought boundaries were selfish, yeah, um, that would have probably been able to manipulate me to dropping them. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people are worried that their boundaries are selfish, especially if they're not used to setting boundaries. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So what happened after that three month mark? Um, I saw him return back to who he was and mm-hmm. um i ended the relationship i said I, this wow. isn't working for me so uh, do yeah. you feel trauma and, bonded um sometimes 
like a song will come on the radio a song like that he played for me you know that this song reminds me of you like and i'll get like those yucky feelings in my stomach but um and i think like a lot of people would think that those yucky feelings are like oh my god i still love him they're still you know you know but for me i i I acknowledge that that's just like emotional attachment it's not actual like genuine love so yeah i can feel those feelings and say oh okay there you are i I see you but i don't have to ask you you know yeah so i i i don't i think that you're always you usually Anytime somebody like touches your inner child and your core wounds and he, like triggers that attachment within you, mm-hmm. there's always going to be something that like activates it maybe a little yeah. bit, but you mm-hmm. have to understand what it is in order to emotionally detach from it. So I, I feel yeah. like I was in a good space um, after the second breakup that I was able to emotionally detach from a lot of it, except when he... Uh, got a new girlfriend. That one rocked me a little bit. <laughs> okay. How uh, soon after the relationship ended? Two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah. And um, sounds about he right. Was, he was he was hovering <laughs> me the whole time. He was <laughs> trying wow. to get back with me for another six weeks after our relationship ended. And uh-huh. yeah, when I found out about the new girlfriend, that that hurt because that means that I meant nothing, that my daughter meant nothing. And like through the course of the breakup, the amount of times he would say, I love your daughter. I can't believe you're taking her from me. I can't believe, you know, you're withholding her from me. Mm. You know, they make you feel like they actually care about you and, Mm -hmm. you know, your child. They don't, they don't. Because if they did, there's no way that they would be able to date two weeks later. Because let me tell you, I was not the thought of dating made me physically ill. Like that's how yep. traumatized I was from that relationship. Yep. And, and just like not trusting, not trusting men, not trusting myself, like just not know. even wanting to deal with it. Yeah. So, Tell me about some of the hoovering attempts. Um, was he stalking uh, you? He did drive by my house a few times. Um, social media, he would post, you know, sappy love songs or like he would post stuff about with a a girl who's traumatized and pushing women like just like poems and stuff about women pushing men away the love of your life away like just a lot of garbage all over social media trying to bait them into saying something yeah yeah um one of the um what else did he do hoovering mostly uh, he was like trying to be friends, you know, like, even if I can't marry you, like maybe we could just be friends uh-huh. and, uh, you know, sending me links to things that he would think I like, like sending me pictures of his kids and we all miss you. And, you know, like just a lot uh-huh. of crazy Force manipulation. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long? But then, the ne- but then the next minute. Say absolutely hurtful, awful things, you know, like yeah. they would flip flop yeah. back and forth. Yes, they flip flop back and forth when they feel like they're losing control of you. And it's like they're just mm-hmm. checking which button do I have to press to make this work to get a reaction. Yeah. 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 How long did the hoovering attempts last? Three weeks. Three weeks of hoovering. Okay. Did he ever try Three and hoover weeks. you again after that? 
No, no. When he found out about my TikTok page, that's uh, <laughs> when it all ended. A line in the sand <laughs> that can't be uncrossed. <laughs> it was funny because I was like, I think I was doing it. Yeah, it was about two or three weeks that I was posting regularly on TikTok before he found out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've spoken to a couple of other creators about this as well. It's like that that line in the sand there. Yeah. Normally, the narcissist, particularly if they've had the type of relationship that you guys had, there was a lot of control for a long period of time. They will continue to come back. They will continue to try to re-enter your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't. Um, when he took everything, he left one thing. And so it's still here. So, so he could, yeah. <laughs> so he can go, yeah. hey, I've got this thing at your place. Can I come by and pick it up? Yeah. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, it would be yeah. funny if it did. Yeah. Like I have such a different outlook on who he is as a person now that yeah. any, like I see who you are now mm-hmm. that. There is nothing you can say to me that's going to change my mind about who you are and what I experienced. So, I mean, any attempts, honestly, would just be laughable right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And once you see all of these behaviors, you can't unsee them. Any interaction you do have with them, you're just like, oh, there's triangulation. There's blame shifting. There's the lack of empathy. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which I think it's really important that, you know, people in these types of relationships educate themselves on all of that stuff because yeah. then you can spot it when it's happening and mm-hmm. you know you, you don't allow them to manipulate you as mm-hmm. as easily right mm. and also realizing that you weren't the problem yeah because narcissists make you responsible for everything how they yeah. feel how they behave everything that went wrong in the relationship the end of the relationship and people believe it and one of the most powerful things that comes out of really educating yourself about this stuff is realizing that you weren't the problem yes and it's not that you weren't good enough yeah yeah, yeah. well and that, and that taps into you know our childhood wounds that they're yeah. able to trigger yeah. right the not being yeah. good enough, the I'm only lovable if stories. So mm-hmm. uh, that like that's your part that you have to yeah. heal in order yeah. to overcome all of this. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who's realizing that they're in a relationship with a narcissist? Uh, uh, n- number one, educate yourself. Like yeah. they will use all, all of the terms against you. <laughs> like I can't mm-hmm. tell you the number of times my ex told me that I was blame shifting, that I was uh, uh, yeah. using I power and control, that I was being manipulated, mm-hmm. manipulative. You know, he that he would issue ultimatums and call them boundaries. He would call my boundaries ultimatums when they were mm-hmm. boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. so I think you really have to educate yourself on the terminology. Because they will manipulate the terminology to suit uh-huh. their needs, their narrative, which is what they do with everything anyway. So it's really not surprising. But that is what keeps you so confused. Because if uh-huh. you don't understand um, all of these tactics and like the true definition of them, they will manipulate you by using them and will manipulate yep. you by it. Um so yeah, education first, like I stayed up on, after like I 
fully ended the relationship, I was on TikTok for every night, like watching videos yeah. on narcissistic abuse because, yeah. and that's when I was like, oh God, I was with a narcissist. Yeah. Like, yeah. seriously, like he could be, he could be diagnosed. Yeah. He could be. <laughs> like he had absolutely every freaking trait yeah. that they yeah. talk about. But, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> They, they say that there's only like 5% of the population, but man, these people don't think they have a problem. So they're never going to go yeah. to therapy anyways. Or, or yeah. if they do go to therapy, they're going to be so good at choosing their therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charming their and therapist. And so good at masking in front of their therapist yeah. as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, we tried that too. We tried couples counseling. That was a disaster. Wow. Okay. Did he put on that act in front of the therapist? That, oh, I that he was a victim. Oh, he, okay, put on, yeah. he put on the victim in front yeah. of our therapist. Yeah. And a lot of narcissists will triangulate you with the therapist, particularly if the therapist doesn't understand NPD or narcissistic abuse, and it can be so incredibly damaging. Yeah. Yeah. So Jackie, what are your social media handles? Where can people find you? People can find me on TikTok, uh, Finding Authenticity. Um, I am on Instagram at finding underscore authenticity underscore. And I am on Facebook at finding authenticity. Perfect. And that's JFAB, J-F-A-B. J-F-A-B. Yep. Amazing. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really good talking to you. It's been great talking to you too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy this series, leaving a review helps others find the podcast. For more insights and resources, you can visit ClaireAuden.com or follow me on TikTok and Instagram at ClaireAuden. Stay safe and see you again in the next episode.